Hey, 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 this is Zach, and this is the That's When I'm Screaming podcast. So last time I talked to you, I said, hey, next episode, we're going to have a guest. I fucking lied to you. I totally fucking lied to you because I've got two guests. So the first guest that I'm going to introduce is the one that I've mentioned in several podcasts, and I've said sappy gushy shit about so i figured i'll introduce her first it's my girlfriend jesse the love of your life we're gonna just lead with that the love of my life my other guest the one that i originally intended on having the original guest the og is my friend tony and tony is here to hang out with me and drink tequila and try not to die laughing. And I hey, think I'm just the brother from another mother. Yes, indeed. <laughs> now you were saving that, weren't you? I was. <laughs> so, so for about the last three hours or so, we've been drinking tequila and hanging out and chatting and stuff. And now it seems like the perfect time to talk about something serious. Of course, right? Serious tequila. I mean, it's gotten me this far, <laughs> right? So uh, for those of you who have listened before, uh, I take on some serious subjects and I take on some silly subjects. But today, I want other people's input. Jesse's input. Girlfriend, who's just making faces at me right now. Hello. You realize this is a microphone and they can't hear your faces. I do, but you can. Oh, shit. And... That's my friend Tony, who is so far mastered the mic today. And I want to talk about a serious subject. Um, I want to make it lighthearted, but it is a serious subject. Uh, I want to talk about police brutality. I want to talk about law enforcement. And I want to talk about ideas to make it better. I want to talk about opinions. Now, Tony is on the podcast. Because, number one, he's my friend. And, number two, he brings a different viewpoint to the discussion. Now, I'm 48 years old. And in 48 years, I have never been a black man in law enforcement. My friend Tony works for a law enforcement agent agency. And he has a different viewpoint than I do. Now, we may agree on it. But it is different. So, AJ, what do you do? Woo! Uh, so, essentially, I am a network administrator for the police department in, in the locality that we live. Correct. Uh, and what that means is anything that has a battery, I touch. Hey! <laughs> uh, Whoa, wait a minute, Jesse. Don't, don't don't look at me like that. I didn't say a thing. <laughs> so uh, whether it be cell phones, the radios that the officers are assigned, right. computers in the cars, uh, body cameras, mm. in-car cameras, mm. all of that, I, I have a dealing in. But what you're saying is, so you are a civilian. You do not carry a gun. That's correct. I, I, I will preface that by saying I am definitely a civilian. I know people from law enforcement agencies that do the same job that I do that are sworn, I am not. 
I am just a civilian. So what does it mean to be sworn versus civilian? So sworn, sworn essentially is going through the academy, uh, doing the learning the laws and stuff in, in your localities, what's legal, what's not legal, uh, going through officer survival, just tactics to be uh, abreast on um, in case something were to happen. Because essentially then you would be, if something were to, were to go down, you might have to be at that situation. Uh, in my role uh, as a civilian, if something were to go down, all I'm doing is looking at the footage. That that that's really the biggest thing. That that's really the different differentiating factor between somebody who's sworn in my role mm-hmm. and a civilian in my role. I don't have to be at this at this situation in the situation. I can just look at the situation and be like, "All right, this needs to be locked down so only certain people can view this video that's happened." But you also in your office and in your role you interact every day with sworn officers. Every day. Every day. You probably interact with sworn officers maybe more than anybody else in the department. They are, essentially, they are my biggest clientele. Okay. Uh, if I if I was to look at things from a sales perspective, mm-hmm. they are my biggest clients. Excellent. Um, okay. And because it's it's always something, whether they their car that they typically drive isn't ready, and so they need to get into this other car and they need to make sure that it works properly. Uh, their radio busted, their screen protector on their phone busted. <laughs> it happens it, a little bit. Oh, Hello, yeah. Chief. How you doing? <laughs> it's a little bit of everything. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always busy uh, in the grand scheme of things. I'm always uh, There's always a project to be done. Day to day wise, it's just uh, what does that look like? is what I'm trying to figure out. So you're pretty hands-on. And I must say, as the host of this podcast, I have nothing to do with law enforcement other than avoiding them. I'm just trying to stay away, but I don't have any interactions. Now, my girlfriend, Jessie, who has pointed out and with her stare, has made it very clear that um, I'm the most uninformed person sitting here. I have not done any of the such. Okay. Um, I believe Zach. <laughs> now, the thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is a social thing for me, and it goes back a long way. And eventually, before the end of this podcast, I will tell the story of my childhood and one interaction that I had with law enforcement. But I want to ask Tony what kind of feedback, backlash, opinions i want to know what he gets from his friends and family in his community in reaction to working for law enforcement oh man it 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 really boils down to who you ask okay uh so the the biggest thing so let's just start off with my background okay um i i grew up and i i would essentially call it middle class household um, my dad and my mom worked. Uh, they were married. They lived together, uh, and I was a part of that family. Um, so I, I always grew up with that. Uh, so I grew up different than some of my peers. Um, a lot of my peers didn't grow up with their fathers in the household. Even my cousin, who was my current roommate, 
he didn't grow up with his father in his house, but he grew up with his father in his life. Okay. Um, so it, it, as I got older, I started seeing the difference in how I acted with people. My dad and my mom always wanted what was best for me. They put me in sports. They put me in uh, extracurriculars, whether it be violin or any other instrument right. that they could possibly do, they put me in. Um, so I always grew up with the mentality that I was average. Uh, but as I started getting older, uh, some people always would say, and and this is the term that they used, is that I was acting white. Oh, because so, you, because you were trying to differentiate yourself exactly. from the people around you. Yeah. Okay. And so, so it, it wasn't it wasn't me necessarily thinking that I was acting white. It was me being that I can do anything that anybody else can do. Right. Uh, I've I've always grown up. Uh, being in the school that I was in, it was a school for innovation. Mm. Um, so they, they, they focus heavily on math and science. Okay. Uh, so I was always one of few black people in a classroom. That was normal to me for a while. Okay. So it, it doesn't surprise me now that I'm in IT and the majority of the people that I work with are white individuals. Right. Uh, so 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 that's just a little bit but a little bit of my background but working in law enforcement is it's just it's i have friends who do things that are unlawful or who have done things that are unlawful i have friends that have been arrested um and i'll raise my hand to that <laughs> i mean even i'll raise my hand to that uh i i mean i'll speak i'll speak candidly about it mm-hmm. i i have a dui while i've been working at the place that i'm working at now okay and so uh that that was a conversation with me and the male chief had, had to have like right. what happened this is that and i was truthful about it like right. i made a mistake like hands down i made a mistake uh but but that's the biggest thing is it's just that i I've always grown up in this this world where I could do whatever not not that not that I could do whatever I wanted to do, but that I could do anything that I needed to do. Uh and so so IT was one of those those gateways to that. And so even though that I see a predominantly white industry, essentially, because a lot of kids who look like me aren't thinking about IT. They're thinking about basketball, football, sports. Um and it, it it perplexes me that parents don't push their kids right. more so towards that. Did you grow up with a lot of interaction with law enforcement, or was that something that was foreign to you, or something you just saw on TV? Uh, so I had a couple of classmates whose siblings, parent, well, parents, um, were law enforcement. One girl okay. specifically, we had a conversation, and we always had an SRO officer since I've been in. Elementary school, it started off in elementary school, but he would only be there like one day a week. Right. Essentially. Okay. Because it was elementary school. And then once I got to middle school, we uh we went to the SRO that was stationed in the school. Wow. Okay. Um because I I didn't have an officer in any school that I went to. Ah. But I'm probably a couple decades older than you, so it's okay. <laughs> you know, I wanna ask because I never had SROs in my school. You obviously had SROs in yours, mm-hmm. and now there's this big push to get SROs out of the schools. What is your thought on that? 
should they remain in the schools? Did you so, have a did you have a positive interaction with SROs when you were a kid in school? Mostly. So my first SRO technically, so my technically my first SRO is still there, and he's a sergeant, and I'm really cool with him. That's awesome. Like. That's yeah, awesome. the sergeant of the SROs was my first SRO officer. Wow! And so, so, so we have we we have a good relationship, and we talk. Um, I I think SROs are necessary. I I do. Uh, I believe in police reform to some sense, right? And we'll we'll talk about that much later. Uh, but I I definitely believe that they are necessary because I don't believe a teacher is going to get themselves in situations that a SRO will. True. In order to avoid certain things that can happen within, especially middle school and high school. And I think there's stuff that goes on in kids' lives out there now because kids' lives are totally different than kids' lives were when I was a kid. Yeah. My life was so simple when I was a kid. The only thing I cared about was getting through school and getting to baseball practice. That's all I cared about, right? Well, kids now have a whole lot heavier things to deal with that really teachers aren't equipped to handle. Yeah. And if and if those kids are left to their own devices, they're gonna lose their minds. And, and, and that's that's the scary thing because when you think of so all these cities uh, that are looking at uh, defunding the police hmm. um, in the grand aspect. And again, I mean, you can look at me as a as a person on the inside looking in essentially right. and saying, "Oh, oh, you work with the police, and you would say not to defund the police," but. Again, you got to understand, I've been a black man for 29 years of my life. Uh, I believe. And I never have been. And I believe in reforming. I I, I, I do. Uh, I, I feel like there is, in some departments, right. that there is social injustice that, that is going on and some things that should be changed. Sure. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, what I feel like is when you talk about kids and you talk about the safety of kids, there, there needs to be somebody there who's going to do, who's going to go above and beyond for those kids. So I don't believe in taking police out of schools because that person is going to be there for those kids, regardless of the, regardless of the situation. Well, and I'm, I'm sorry to jump in here, but don't you think that to a certain extent, SROs, yes, they're officers, but in more cases than not, they're champions for their kids. Yes. The SROs I've had experience with are at every baseball game. They're at every basketball, every football game. They, they are cheering kids, on yeah, those They get kids. to know these kids from the time they're in elementary school until they graduate. And right? they know these kids by name. Like yeah. It's not like it's an asshole cop that pulled me over because I was speeding and I had a bad day and I had a bad attitude, which translated to their bad attitude when they wrote me a ticket. This is somebody that's in the school five days a week, cheering on and encouraging a kid or every kid. So this is the reason why I mentor. Um, This is the reason why I got into mentoring. Uh, one of the reasons is that I can know these kids on a first name basis and I can talk to these kids one on one and I can let them know when they fuck up, like essentially speaking, like you did this bad. How important is that? That's something that's been lost over the last couple of generations. And that, that is truly important because I feel like if a kid can come to you. So so I have a mentee right now. He's 20. He's 20 now. He'll be 21 in October, I believe. Right. Uh, So 
he he had a situation a couple of years ago and he told me about it. He didn't tell his mom. He didn't tell anybody else. He told me about it specifically because I was that person in his life right. that he could tell things to. Right. And so I told him, you fucked up. But you, this is the way that if if this situation plays out this way, this is how you gonna go. This is how you gotta go. Right. And if the situation plays out this way, this is how you can go. And I think with the SROs in in schools, it, it plays a lot into that because you're not really a, a you're not just a I'm gonna punish you type of thing. Right. It's because I see you at every basketball game or football game right. or this that and the third. I can let you know, hey. The, what you're doing right now is wrong. I need you to change that. How important is it though that they hear from you in a mentor relationship that they did something wrong rather than they hear it from a law enforcement officer at two o'clock in the morning who wants to put handcuffs on? Oh, it, it is greatly important. I, it, I believe it's, we- a, it, it's to me, I would rather be disciplined by somebody that I know yeah. and somebody that I know cares about me than a random stranger that just wants to throw me in the back of a car. But don't you think that the SRO's role is actually a mentor it, just as you are? Absolutely. It can be, it absolutely. can be, but, but, but when you think about the grand scheme of things, there, there's a lot of kids compared to one SRO officer at one school. Sure. Um, because you, you have one at every middle school and you have one at the high schools. And it becomes, it comes to be a lot because uh, I, so being involved in the church as much as I am, a lot of my kids are, actually all of my kids are in middle school or high school. And so I, I always let them know, I know your SRO officer right. personally. Right. And I can come, I can pop up at your school and ask right. to speak with you at any time. And I right. know your SRO officer will let me in because they know me personally. And that that's the kind of relationship I have with these kids. But that, and that's, I got to tell you, I go back to another podcast that we've done. Checks and balances. Exactly. So important. Yes. So important. And a child that knows that somebody is going to be around to whip them in the line and keep them in shape. That's huge because how many kids are out there that are like, if I fuck up, if I do something wrong, I do something stupid. Nobody cares. Exactly. Nobody's around to discipline me. Nobody gives a shit. But if they know, if they make a mistake that somebody is there to correct them and it look, everybody makes mistakes. There's not a human alive that hasn't made mistakes. So if a kid knows that, if I fuck up, somebody's going to be here to kick me in the ass. Yeah. Not throw me in jail. Not send me to court. It's just to set you straight. Somebody's going to be there to say, how important is that? That's a beautiful thing. And, 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 and that, that, that is really why I got into So I've always been um, big on youth. Even when I was a youth myself, uh, I've always been big and giving back because somebody always gave back to me like there was always right. essentially like street code you look at it and it's like that's the big homie right and so so th- there's always been a big homie in my life who who instilled the the things that i need to do whether it be to go to class whether it be to well, get good grades it's to pay it forward yeah and pay so- it forward because you know how many people you mentioned pay it forward to and they think oh i'm gonna pay for the person behind me aligning at the drive-thru yeah no pay it forward is means you Keep your shit together and you keep the next generation shit together. Well, even if you don't keep your shit together, because I've had big homies who who were in jail for stupid shit. 
Right. And and they specifically told me, don't go down this path because right. this is what I did. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to go down this route. Right. Like, this is what you have available to you. Right. Make the most of it. And and that that's why I think a lot of kids, a lot of kids miss. It's mm-hmm. just that, um, like, whether it be the SRO officer who's trying to encourage you throughout the day, like, whether they're a cop or not, like, they're trying to pour something into your life. Right. And that's what I think a lot of a lot of kids miss because a lot of their parents aren't doing it. I agree. And I'm going to move in a slightly different direction now because there are a lot of kids. And when I say kids, I'm thinking teenagers and younger, <clears throat> excuse me, that are watching what's going on right now. Yeah. And they're watching protest <clears throat> and they're seeing things go on now. I got to put this out there because I get the amusement out of this. So we live in a city. That's a pretty good sized city. We live in a medium sized city mm-hmm. where the only place that suffered any sort of damage due to protest or anything else <laughs> is one particular asshole's restaurant that probably had it coming. Everything else has been peaceful from what I've seen. Yeah. So, as a child right now growing up in a community where, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to be a 10-year-old right now. I can't imagine. So from a community standpoint, from a law enforcement standpoint, because you do work for a law enforcement agency, what are, are these kids seeing today? What are they looking at today because I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think there, there's so many negative things out there that are being put out, whether it's the media and so on and so forth. We can go into black lives matter. We can go into police brutality. We can go into defunding the police. We can go into all these negative things that don't really involve kids. No. Right. No. The kids aren't being talked about. Exactly. We're talking about grownups. We're but, talking about adults saying we need to defund the police. But kids are giving a shot. Like that, that. Exactly. And so when you when you think about these things, it's 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 it, it goes back to another conversation that we've had. It and it's who controls the media. And it's it 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 ultimately boils down to what can I get money for? What's enticing to people? Sure. And so sure. race relations right now is what's enticing to people. And um, that, that's what I wholeheartedly believe in. And if anybody disagrees with me, I'm, I'm more so welcome to have that conversation sure. with them. But race relations is what's enticing to people. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Because it's a money maker. Because it gets the conversation started on what can we do. I mean, me being a black man and you being a white man, people would people would look at our relationship like, why are y'all doing that? Essentially. But we, we know our friendship. Yeah, because we like to talk. Exactly. <laughs> and, but 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 our, our conversation isn't based on on hate. It no. isn't based on it's based on intelligence. Like we, we can have an honest honest Yeah, it was tequila. <laughs> <laughs> an honest conversation about the topics at hand. Right. And so with things like that, where the kids are seeing. Right. What news channels are they typically watching? 
they're not watching anything that would show us talking to each other. So then who are they getting the information from? Well, if you're, if you're watching TV right now and you bring up the subject of Black Lives Matter or police brutality, you got a split screen yeah. on the TV and you got one person over here and you got one person over here and they have five minutes. So what do they do? Exactly. They talk over each other. And then what else do you have? You have social media. Which is, I'm not even, I don't even, should we go down the social media road, babe? Oh, that's a rabbit hole like no other. Yeah. Cause so, so, yeah. so, uh, <laughs> there's a kid, there's a, um, she's probably 14 now, 13, 14. And she is my little sister to the fullest. Uh, um, like our families have been so close for so long. Like her whole family is my, my family. Awesome. And so, uh, her, her older brother, who's the oldest of that side, um, he's been my little brother since he was about eight years old. And so I've known her since she's been born. Oh, wow. Um, and so does it I, make you feel old? Like I feel it does. Okay, it does because you. he just had a child <laughs> and I held his son. Oh, wow. And it, it just made me feel like I was, I was old as shit. And I was just like, <laughs> I was been like, there, done that. I was like, damn, I'm holding my little brother's son. Yeah. And so, uh, but I was talking to his little sister. And so I took her phone from her one day. And I just looked at the screen time. I didn't want to go through anything else. I just right. looked at the screen time. Right. And she has spent on average eight hours on social media. Yeah. I was like, why? Yeah. Why? Like, like, like yeah. what, what are you why getting from this? Why can't you have a conversation like yeah, this? Yeah, like, like, like yeah. What, what, what are you getting from this? And so yeah. uh, it, 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 always, it always intrigues me because uh, me and her, we talk weekly. Yeah. Uh, she, she always makes sure that she gives me my hug, like, when she sees me. Um, again, that that is definitely my little sister to the fullest. That's awesome. But I do things for my mentee who's twenty, my little brother who's twenty three, essentially. Right. Uh, I think he's twenty three. He might be twenty four. Uh, but it, it, it's those things. Like I try to try to better myself so I can give right. the guidance to the people who are coming up after me. Now, do you when you talk to them? Do you again? This the law enforcement thing is what kind of catches me is do you say, Hey, look, not every cop's bad. There are bad ones, there are good ones. So being that my little brother has had in involvements with law enforcement mm-hmm. and he's been arrested right. for certain things, right. um he he understands that uh because he's older, right. He understands that um they're not all cops are bad. Right. He understands that they're bad people who become cops. Right. Um, but he he's starting to he I I need to talk to him more because he's starting right. to go a certain way. Right. Um, and I I rather not him go that way. But right. uh, with my um with my girlfriend's ten year old, mm-hmm. I had a conversation in the car with him, and I just I just flat out told him I, I said that same thing. I was like, all yeah. cops aren't bad. Right. I was like, they're bad people who right. become cops because you know good officers. And I'm like, right. because it was a situation where me and a couple of officers, we all got together at the Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. um, and we all just hung out and he came yeah. with me. And yeah. so he was able to see like right. the, the bond. And that's that the important had. thing is they have to see it. Yeah. Because and you can hear a lot of bad shit, but until you see something positive, it, it it doesn't change yeah. anything. So if I if yeah. I see every day yeah. cops arresting my family, right. I'm gonna think that cops are bad because Absolutely. they're arrested because I'm Absolutely. always gonna see my family. Perception as, is reality, right? Exactly. 
And so if if you get into a situation now where it's like, okay, what they did is wrong. Like, oh, sorry, dogs barking. <laughs> so I can understand like what my little brother did. Like yeah. me and him, we have this conversation yeah. all the time. All right, you messed up, you got caught, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Go from there. But yeah. some of the other things that, that happened. Uh, are on that gray area on whether it's right right on your part or wrong on their part right so it's 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 a conversation that needs to be happening and i'm I'm glad that that in society like granted i understand the rioting and Mm -hmm. the the looting Mm -hmm. aspect of it and i heard a great youtube video that explains it and i need to show it to y'all and I should have shown it to y'all before, it's all uh, right. but it, it it just goes into explain like there are people who are going to protest, right? And I I'm for protesting right now. My hands are tied because I'm I'm in the middle because See, I'm, that's where I wanted to go. And please, I need to take a break, okay? Because we're getting ready to run out. But I want to go down that road because that's the road I want to go down. All right. And then I want to tell you about my experience with law enforcement, okay? And especially in the city that it took place in, because it's been in the media, the national media for several weeks now. So hang tight. We'll be right back. All right. So we're back. So now what we're going to talk about are protests and riots and just basic social disturbance. Okay. Are you cool with that? I am. Let's do it. All right. So. Uh, I guess where I was leaving off that was um, I can see where people are protesting and I can see riots and I can see looting. So uh, I'm a protester type of guy. Um, I, I I tend to skirt the line on violence. I have violent tendencies, obviously, because I'm a man. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm with but, you. I'm with but, you. 100%. Uh, I, I try to let cooler heads prevail in, sure. in the grand scheme of things. Sure. Um, so so what what typically ends up happening is if a business does me wrong, mm-hmm. I won't support that business. And that, that to me is protest until it's fullest. Well, to me, that is the ultimate protest. Yeah. If, if somebody, if you do business with somebody and they don't treat you right, you don't do business with them. Exactly. You, you take your business elsewhere. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. Now with the people who are looting and, um, looting in, what else were we saying? Uh, well, riots. Right, right, yeah, rioting. Any kind of, yeah. any kind of so, violent protest. So uh, what what I heard a a woman explain so eloquently is it's like playing Monopoly for 400 rounds, mm. but you weren't able to buy property for 400 rounds. Right. You're just, all you're doing is paying rent. That's all you're, you're doing. You're just going in a circle paying rent. Exactly. And so, yep. so then when you're able to finally buy property – you're behind. And so, so, so that's why I get with the rioting and stuff. People feel so, people feel like they're so behind. They're so this, they're so that, because when you look at pop culture, because that's what everybody looks to, to Mm. see what the standard is that they should be living. It's, I should have three cars. I should have this amount of money in my bank account. I should have this amount of jewelry on. Well, if you've been systematically dis like systematically disenfranchised. Yeah. Disenfranchised Mm -hmm. is, it's more so that, well, I'm never going to get these things. I'm never going to get this. So, so, so then I need to, for some people, I need to act out in order to get these things because then that's when people 
will finally understand where I'm coming from. Right. And again, I'm definitely again, I'm, I don't like rioting and I don't like looting. I specifically am against it. Uh, but when it comes to protesting, I am for it because I feel like, but I feel like there's there's always been a need for a combination of the two that it, that wakens up people. I agree. And as far as protesting goes, I, <laughs> I believe as Americans and as people who, I mean, we're consumers. I mean, that's what we are. Yeah. America, the people in the United States, we're the biggest consumers in the world. And I feel like if if a corporation that we've been buying from treats us wrong, we should stand up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to go down another rabbit hole. I think McDonald's kills millions of people. Millions. Millions yes. of people. Yes. So why aren't people protesting McDonald's? It's like <laughs> it's because their burgers are good. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I can't say anything. I had a, I exactly. had a McGriddle this morning. I, but oh, oh, wait a minute! I love me a McGriddle. I ain't gonna but, lie to you, but it's not good for you. But when you think about heart, but we disease, don't protest it, right? No, when you think about heart disease, how many people does heart disease kill off, and how many three hundred thousand a year, and how many how many people are attributing that heart disease to fast food they're not and they're not at all so so that's why one of the things that um i specifically love uh about y'all um is that when you when you look at your food and your intake Mm -hmm. because right i'm i'm trying to put on weight and my cousin is trying to gain weight. oh he's trying to lose weight and i'm trying to gain weight right but we both understand it's it's about what you put in your body absolutely absolutely 80 percent of what of whether you gain or lose is done in the kitchen. Absolutely. But if you're eating fast food every day, what is that saying? Well, you know, I, I think fast food is, is anger food. Yeah. I think if you, if, if you live off a diet of fast food, you're pissed off every day, you're unhappy, you're <laughs> pissed off, you're uncomfortable. And you know, we've become a society of, and I don't even know the best way to put this, but we accept what's comfortable. Yeah. They feed it to us. We accept it. When things get uncomfortable, uh, like I did a podcast, an early version of this. Anybody who's listened to my podcast has probably listened to it, where the officer in Minneapolis, I referred to him as someone who, who wasn't a police officer. He was a guy wearing a costume. In that situation, yeah, because I, re- I remember that line. I remember that line because I, I heard that episode. And so it's it's more so that, yeah, you do have a costume because you <laughs> aren't human. Because at, no. the, at the premise of when you... All right, so I, I understand. I understand. But if you look at any religion, it's love. Like, that. that is the biggest thing at the at the basis of everything. If you don't have love for humanity, you're not human. But words and actions are two different things. They are. And I'm a firm believer that if your actions speak louder than words. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in that. I'm going to go into a story now about something that I had in my life that was law enforcement related. So, I grew up in Glen County, Georgia, which is Brunswick, Georgia, which has been the focus in the last couple months of an act that happened 
<clears throat> before George Floyd, a couple weeks before George Floyd's incident, where two redneck white guys killed a black guy jogging through his neighborhood. And I'm sure you've mm-hmm. seen the story. It yeah, was on, I heard it. I heard it. It was on every national news. I grew up there. Yeah. Where he was killed and murdered was in an area where I went to elementary school. Mm-hmm. Right? So when the story came out that both of these guys, the father and the son, had worked for the Glenn County Sheriff's Department as detectives or investigators or whatever, I wasn't surprised. So when I was nine years old, I got bit by a dog. Okay. It was my neighbor's dog. Now, I lived in a trailer park. I lived in a single wide trailer. And the trailer next door to mine was a Glenn County Sheriff's deputy. And I used to go over every day, his wife and his newborn baby, and I would hang out. And they had a Doberman. Well, I never met this guy. I never met this deputy. He was never there. Well, come to find out, he was at a lot of women's houses, but he wasn't at his wife's house. So they split up. The wife left and took the baby, and he was there with the dog, the Doberman. I'm nine years old. I knew this dog. I knew this dog really well. And so several months go by. I'm outside in the yard. My mom and my grandfather are washing the car. Well, he left the dog, a Doberman, unleashed to run around. So the dog's eating. I reach down and I pet the dog. Well, the dog comes up at me and he rips the muscle out of my arm. My bicep, right here. There's the scar. So the dog was coming from my throat. And as a child, this is how you react. Right. So he got me right here. So I go to the hospital. I get 10 stitches to sew the muscle back into my arm. Mm -hmm. And I get 12 stitches to sew my arm shut. Police officers, sheriff's deputies come to me and they ask me what's going on. And I tell them. My stepdad's there and he's turning all kind of shades of blue. He'd never say, I mean, you got to understand my, my muscle is sitting on top of my arm, like a ball of ground beef. Yeah. He he's vomiting sitting beside me. Right. Sheriff's deputies, he's asking me what happened, where I live, who's the dog. Who? So they call their buddy in the sheriff's department and say, Hey, your dog just bit a kid. So, They go looking for the dog. They can't find the dog. The sheriff's deputies put the dog in hiding. So guess what happens to me? So not only do I get my arms sewn back together, but I get all the rabies shots because they can't find the dog. This is back when you had to get like 20 shots around your stomach. So all of this happens. I get rabies shots. I get my arms sewn back together. All because a sheriff's deputy in Glen County, Georgia, in Brunswick, doesn't want to turn his doesn't want to turn his dog over because he bit me. Wow. So now I'm nine years old. What do you think I think about the sheriff's department at that point? Welcome. I got a bunch of fucking shots in my stomach. Yeah. Right? I got my arms sewn back together. I missed a season of baseball because I couldn't throw. 
So when I hear the news that somebody in Glenn County, Georgia, and their son videotapes themselves of shooting a guy jogging through his own neighborhood, am I surprised? Fuck no, I'm not surprised. So I, I don't mean to be on a soapbox, but I'm here to tell you that if they'll do it to me, don't take this the wrong way, don't do it to a white kid in their own neighborhood. Yeah. The fuck do they care about somebody else from their own from somebody else's neighborhood? And so this is one of the big things that I've been talking about to hmm? we're gonna take a time out to order dinner. Okay, so we're back from break. Uh what I was gonna say is that um I was just talking to a friend that is an officer at uh, the place where I work. And we really just yesterday were having this conversation on what is being trained. And so I was, I'm more so, I'm curious on what is being taught self-defense wise, because I'm big on martial arts. Uh, I, I I took karate when I was a kid. I okay. do jujitsu now. Uh, okay. Granted, because of COVID nineteen, I can't really get back into the gym the way that I want to. Right. Uh, but I've competed twice and I've placed third in both of my tournaments. Okay. Um. So I'm really big on if you're training officer survival, what is it that you're actually training? I actually, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually listened to a podcast recently where. A guy was discussing this, and he said that he thinks that every police officer should have at least a purple belt in jujitsu. Yeah, I, I, I damn was, sure. If if not purple, he he needs to have at least a blue belt. Yeah. So because the purple belt does take a while to get to, so I will say that. Uh, but he at least needs to have a blue belt. He he or she needs to at least understand the fundamentals that if you get taken to the ground. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to defend yourself without a gun. And And that's what martial arts teach you. It teaches you control. And so I have a I have another friend who's in martial arts, and he said he's never had to pull out a gun because he's willing to put a hands on somebody. Exactly. Exactly. Like exactly. If you're willing to do it and if you're not scared about it, if you trust yourself to win this. And that's an issue that I have where certain localities they're saying, Oh, you can't use a chokehold. Yeah. Well, I understand that the chokeholds that we've seen on social media, on video, yeah, they look bad. And some of them are, and some of them are unnecessary. But at the end of the day, if you have someone who is out of control, you have to control them. Yeah. And And so a lot of people don't understand. So I had an application in for my role as IT as well as an application in for my role as a police officer. Wow! Uh, at the same same time, I so I could, I could have picked in, I could have picked and choose whichever way I wanted to go. Ultimately, my goal is where I am now with IT. But if IT never worked out, I would have been an officer at this wow. point. Wow! Okay. And so, uh, it would have been well. Do I trust myself enough to if I'm going to get into a, a skirmish with somebody? Do I see myself winning and you damn sure right. I, I, I see myself winning. I'm, I'm not the biggest person, but right. I trust in myself. And like, I right. ultimately, what I what I want to see 
is that both of us make it home. Like, yeah, you may yeah. have a broken arm or a broken leg. Like, okay, well, cool. How, how many people are out of control that it's just a, it's just that one moment. There's yeah. something going on in their life. Yeah. That's crazy for one moment. That It's not worth dying over. It's well, not worth crippling somebody over. Yeah, exactly. You know? I wonder because you brought up social media and you see the body cam footage, you see the other aspects, how much of what is portrayed on social media is just fueling the narrative that the communities want to see. 90, 90 to 95%. How much of that do you feel does not portray the actual narrative of the situation? Almost all of it. Because so ultimately when the way that our society is shaped, there's always a good guy and there's always a bad guy. Hmm. And, and, and that, that goes back to WWF. Yeah. And so I'm just saying like, like when you think about wrestling, there, there, there's always a heel and there's always a face. Absolutely. <laughs> and so when you think about these guys that when you think about the officers, they're ultimately the heel character. And it, it, if you look at it like a wrestling match, Essentially, if, if you're not big into wrestling, you just look at it as a bad guy, good guy. That's There's right. always a good cop, bad cop hey, situation. I grew up watching Star Wars. It was Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. It was Luke Skywalker. Exactly. There's and always a matter, yin and a yang. It didn't matter what Darth Vader did. He was always the bad guy. Always. And so, always. And so then you start to, to justify the actions or you start to look at the actions of you start to justify the actions of the good guy and say, oh, they're in the right because they did this, this, and this. But you don't look at the reasons why they're in the wrong. You you only look at because they're the good guy, this is what they did good. Right. This is why they're right. And then you mm-hmm. look at the bad guy where it's like, this is why they're bad. This is where they messed up. I'm not looking at the good. So if if an officer comes to the scene of a crime or it pulls somebody over and says, can I see your license and registration? That's the first thing that they ask. Right. What am I getting pulled over for? This, that, and the third. This, that. All I'm asking you for is your license and registration. Right. Because that's what we're required to do. Because if you're not a licensed driver, that's against the law. That's a law in any state. that If you're not registered to drive, you, you shouldn't be driving. So right. let me at least run this. Mm-hmm. So don't make, don't ultimately make out that I'm the bad guy right now. And again, I'm not sworn officer, but if everybody could just have cool heads, because some officers will come to the scene and be, give me your license and registration, like with a with an authoritative tone. Right. And they might have had a bad call like two calls ago, but they're still bringing it over into well, this that's, call. That's now. the human element. When you exactly. interact with someone, you, you don't know what they've been dealing with for that day. Yeah. I, I'm in sales. And I deal with a lot of people on a daily basis. And some of them come at me with a bad mood. Well, I don't know why they're in a bad mood. I don't know what interaction they had 20 minutes ago. Or I don't know that their wife, you know, was mean to them that morning. Or they were mean to their wife that morning. And there was a fight. I don't, I don't, you know, that's, that's something I don't think ever gets talked about. Yeah. The fact that it's, we, we see the cell phone footage of explosions. Yeah. But, but we it, don't often see what led to the experience. It's the fact that we don't talk about it or we don't care about it. I, 
is, is that the society that we live in? That's where we the don't society care? we live in. If it's not on a cell phone video, yeah. we don't it, acknowledge it. Doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. But it, regardless of cell phone video, I think it all boils down to the narrative you're trying to portray. Yeah. If you sure. are the individual that got pulled over and you want to portray yourself as the victim, I'm sorry, you're obviously not going to show the footage of what led to you getting pulled over in the first place. Well, I was listening to Candace Owens, who's uh, who staunchly is right wing when you when you think about it. Um, and you know, she she's cool with the Trumps. Uh, she's had talks. She with thinks just, that climate change is a hoax. She does, and and, she, and that that's one thing I disagree with her. Yeah. And so so I don't think she's like definitively the person for me essentially but she she had a talk and um she's just she was talking about the the incident in minnesota right uh and she she was pulling all these facts on what this guy had did in his past right and and the thing is the past doesn't matter it, it matters about what happened in that situation that well, the, the thing that I have the issue with that, and I've heard other people bring it up, or, you know, he passed a bad 20, yeah. and he had this record, he had that record. Under no circumstances did that officer have the right to be judge, jury, and execution. Exactly. And so it it, it really boils down to, to what are we allowing. Like, that. that's why, again, I go back to police reform mm-hmm. is um, I'm for transparency. Oh, absolutely. Uh, in, in police department. Now, some things I understand because I work for them, mm-hmm. you should not disclose. The sure. tactics-wise and this, that, and the third, sure. in order to, to catch somebody who's doing something, you should not disclose right. this because then somebody can prepare right. in order to get a, away from that. So, no, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with defunding. Um, but, the, again, that's why I go back to the to the the point where I feel like I'm in the middle because mm-hmm. I'm I'm a, a black male, right. and I see my people crying out essentially. Sure, like and, and they're they're saying about police reform, this, that, mm-hmm. and the third, and they're protesting. And I have I have very uh, deliberate ideas on police reform. I would there's things that I would love to see happen. I yeah. want to run those ideas by you, but I think at the end of the day, um, well, you mentioned Candace Owens and and so on and so on. You know, most people in society have done something wrong. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the next next cop that you interact with has a right to knock you upside the head or put you in a chokehold or anything else. Right. I mean, it's clear. We saw the video footage, right? Yeah. That was a murder. There, There's no way you can defend that and say, oh, okay, this guy's just trying to detain somebody. All right? So... You have to look at the full picture. Yeah. If I pass, I'm a white guy. Okay. Yeah. If I go into a department store and I try to pass a fake 20, I'm probably going to get arrested. I'm probably going to go in front of a judge. What are the odds of me spending time in jail for it? None. None. I'm not going to jail. You know? Hey, does that, I mean, somebody going to put their knee on my neck? Against a gutter, against a, a curb, and kill me. We we when no. you look at like Dylan Roof, and he he shot up a, a black church, and then the sheriff's office right. um, 
took them to Burger King, McDonald's, whatever it was, right. and, and got them food. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's you, like, come on, man. You just kill people. Yeah. You, you don't have no rights at this point. No. Like, 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 you can get whatever food is in the jail, but you, you yeah. uh, essentially, you don't have any rights at this point. Well, even if the kitchen is closed, it's not going to hurt you to miss a meal. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, I mean, that, it doesn't, it, there's no balance. Yeah, there's, 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 no there's, balance. there's no balance. And so a lot of the things that we're hearing from the cities uh, is that they are, it's a bunch, is disproportionately um, impacted by race. And so right. they're, they're, it's essentially our police department uh, in the city that we live in is 98% white, yeah. would I say, sworn officer-wise. Um, ninety eight percent, and so so when you look at no 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 like ninety six because then it's like three percent. It well when I started it was like three percent black and one percent other. Right. So it was ninety six, three one. Yeah. And so that and, that equals the whole hundred. And that's part of the reform issues that I have. I mean, I, I think most people look at law enforcement. I mean, like when I was a kid, when I was a little kid. You know, once a year at my elementary school, a police car would show up. There'd yeah. be a police officer. He'd give you a little speech. Don't do drugs. Yeah. Right. And you get to look at the car and the siren would go off. And it was all cool, right? All right. We all love that. But at the end of the day, that wasn't reality. It wasn't. And I think I, I tell people this, and I had a conversation with my mother, and I think I had a conversation with you, with Jesse. I've never once in my life, ever. In my life, in 48 years, I've never woke up being black. I've never left my house in fear that driving to work, I was going to be pulled over and have a cop beat the shit out of me or worse. I've never lived that way. So it's, it's a line in, um, in rap culture. It's pray for me, I make 30. Yeah. And so it, it, it's yeah. big because and that, like, and that's, like, and that's not unrealistic. Yeah, and it's because most most people who live a certain kind of life that they're, they're not going to see even twenty five. Right. And I'm twenty nine years old, and like that statement hit me yeah. a few days ago, and it was yeah. like, "Pray for me, I make thirty. Like, yeah. like, but that's that's really what I'm hoping for right at this yeah. point. And it's even though I work for the police department, like even if a cop car gets behind me, I still have those. Ooh, oh, let me slow down. Oh, let me do this. Oh, let me do that. Ask her what I said the other day. We did a parade for an officer that had a, a health issue mm -hmm. and there was a whole lot of law enforcement in line. There was probably about 75 to 125 vehicles. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Tell her, tell, the yeah. tell him what I said. The quiet around that time. <laughs> and... But obviously there was an officer that needed community support right, and love. Right. And so we had volunteered and participated in this drive-by parade because, mm. let's be frank, COVID times. That's right. These, and we were both off. So. And this is the... And especially what has happened to him. Like, you don't want to be around that. Exactly. And you can't jeopardize his health and what we could have been exposed with by doing right. an actual visitation. So a drive-by parade was an ideal situation. But Zach was driving and he laughed. He busted out laughing. Because all the lights are 
behind me, right? Every there's there's car like in front 50 of- police cars, there's SWAT vehicles, there's all kinds of shit behind me with mm-hmm. their lights on, right? And he busts out laughing. He <clears> said, This is the first time in my life there's lights going behind me, and I ain't worried. That's true. But I mean, that's that's reality. Yeah. And and I would like to throw a couple of ideas by you. Okay. That because I don't believe in defunding the police. All right. And I don't believe in eliminating SROs. Um, now, I didn't have SROs in school when I was a kid, but I grew up in a community of we had one stoplight. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty small. But And you still wrote on chalk tablets in school because you're that old. No, we had, I had a hammer and a chisel and a piece of slate. <laughs> you should see my homework. homework. It was pretty interesting. But no, the first thing... And this came to this jumped in my mind because I I listened to this podcast and this guy named Jocko who was a Navy SEAL. Oh yeah, yeah, I and, listened to him. And Jocko made the comment. He said, "You know," and this is after everything went down. He, he basically said, "You know, they trained me for eighteen months to do a three month um, assignment. Mm-hmm. Said they train cops for six months to be cops forever." It doesn't make a lot of sense. I think, number one, if a cop um, graduates, I think, number one, I think academy should move more than three months or yeah. four months or whatever it is. They should spend one week out every month doing continuing education, doing training. Because training changes. Yeah, The training that cops did in the 80s when I was a kid probably should be a little different than the training that's done now. So training is the big thing for me. Um, the second thing, and you mentioned the numbers of how many white cops there are in the police department. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and this is probably going to be something that people are going to totally disagree with, and I'm okay with that. I think there should be two officers in every car. Okay. I think there should be one white officer, and one non-white officer checks and balances. Yeah. I think if you have, and it doesn't even have to be one white officer and one non-white officer. You have one black officer, one Asian officer. I think it, it accomplishes a lot of goals. Number one, it makes them safer. Mm-hmm. Right? It makes them safer because they're, there's a the tandem. Number two, if there's a problem and there's there's two black people and the law needs to be called and one white officer shows up, it's already a problem, right? Right. Whoever's involved in that conflict, whether it's legitimate or not, they're going they're not going to be at ease if one white officer shows up, right? If you have a white officer and a black officer show up together, that changes the that the dynamic. And I'm sorry, I'm stuttering. I'm drinking tequila, and I like tequila, so I'm just going to keep stuttering. But I think that there needs to be more of a – people need to see in their community more than just one image. So so going off of that point, what discourages people of color or any other ethnic background Mm -hmm. other – from applying to the police department and money 
Exactly. So, so I, I'm going to tell you right now, I've never been a cop. I've never been in law enforcement. I've never been in public service. And I make three times what any starting officer makes. Exactly. And so it's, it's the same way with teachers, though. Absolutely. And so teachers are preparing the, the future. Why aren't they getting paid? More? Exactly. And if law officers, if you're going to call a law officer about a domestic, Mm-hmm. Why aren't you going to pay them to have to deal with that? Absolutely. And, and you know, we go back to the whole defund the police. I don't think that works. We've The police have been running on a bottom of the barrel um, amount of money to begin with. Yeah. I don't, I don't want, I do not want my law enforcement. I don't want my fire department. I don't want my EMTs. I don't want my emergency room technicians to be the lowest paid people in my community. But here's the thing I want to jump in on for a second. Humor me. You go through a drive through at Burger King, mm-hmm. McDonald's, whatever your fast food of choice is, and they screw up your order, but it was a high schooler handing you your order, making minimum wage. You're kind of going to think, okay, hey, they fucked I up. get it. They fucked up. They don't really want to be there. They don't care. Look at what they're making. I get it. So, you don't want to feel that way about somebody who's answering a domestic violence. No. So, do what, you want somebody making 30 grand or 40 grand a year carrying a gun showing up to willingly die for you? Well, they need to be making a hell of a lot more money if they're willing to die for me. Yeah. Well, with the thing with McDonald's, so I understand. We have a couple of shitty ass McDonald's <laughs> in a couple, our city. A couple? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, we got a couple of good ones. <laughs> but there are a couple of, of bad ones where the people who work there don't care. Right. And I, I always understand that when we um when we like when myself or I take my cousin or whatever to these McDonald's, I, I always have a, a bar of expectation. And some places is higher right. than others. Like That's if right. I know it's a sit down restaurant, right. I have a certain expectation that the food is going to be this, the That's service right. is going to be this. That's exactly that. right. And it, it's always fluctuating. We don't have that luxury in public service because right. I understand that the officers expect me to be on my best game every time when it comes to fixing their shit. Yeah. And, in, in in even regards to your role, they wanted their way, even though their way may not be the way to go, they they wanted their way and they they feel entitled. But ultimately we 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 gotta get off of that entitlement and saying that in order for things to work, I need you to work this way and right. I need and I can work this way. And yeah. so when we're both working efficiently mm-hmm. Everything goes much smoother. Right. But I think it comes down to pay. I mean, it does. It does. I, you know, I don't. People who feel validated by their paycheck perform better. Absolutely. And and it's not, I think everything in our society, if we're going to work in a capitalist society, everything should be on a performance based merit. Well, I was and, and I'm sorry, but if I call you, well, my house is on fire. Yeah. I don't want you to be disgruntled about how much you make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that is true. I mean, I don't I don't want it, it. Jesse has said to me one time she was talking about an officer about how much he made out of town and and 
uh, what his allowance was on his meal. Yeah. I don't want my local law enforcement to be hungry. I don't want them to be, I don't, I don't want them to live off of Big Macs. Right. If they want to get a steak once in a while. Go ahead and get that I, I steak. I think they need <laughs> yeah. steaks. So you know? I was listening to an interview the other day and uh, the guy, he was talking about the economy mm-hmm. and uh, he, he was like, the reason why our economy is suffering as much as we are is because America essentially is just a service-based economy. We oh, absolutely. Really, we don't really have anything else it's going It's service forward. and consumers. Yeah. We're the biggest consumers in the world. Exactly. And so so when you think about Americans not spending money, mm-hmm. it's, well, we don't have beaches like Dubai and all this place. Right. Like, we, we, we're not a vacation spot. Right. Everybody else already has that. Like that Especially market. now. Nobody wants to come here. Oh. <laughs> nobody wants to come here. So, Mar Lago. They... There ain't nobody from Italy and France and England coming to Mar-a-Lago to play golf exactly. right now. Just, I promise you. <laughs> it's just like, it's just, okay. So we, we understand, and I understand uh, Seattle has done, uh, I don't I don't know if it was the whole state of Washington, but I know Seattle specifically. They raised the minimum wage to $15, correct? It was California, I thought. Was no, it California? was Washington. It might have been Washington. It, it was in Washington. Now, I know certain employers across the country, like Target, has raised their minimum yeah. wage to $15. You got to listen to the rest of the podcast and you'll realize I'm working on it. why the minimum wage kills us and but it doesn't help us. It doesn't. It doesn't. So so when I when I set an expectation of $15, like this, this is the minimum wage. Right. But there, there are people in the world that that's what they strive for. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I'm making the minimum wage. I'm good. Yeah. So I want to make I sure feel I like my, my, like we, once you get education in this, you should definitely be making more than 15 minutes. Well, you should definitely be making more than $15 an hour, but employers are going to look at it because I've also been, I have a business background mm-hmm. and saying that, I can't hire all these people for right. fifteen dollars an hour. So let me cut and make them work more. Now I want you to listen to the to the uh, Joe Rogan podcast that I sent you with Peter Schiff. Oh yeah, and I we will. come back and we just do another podcast on that because okay. he explains how the minimum wage crushes us. But I, I'm a firm believer in as a country for the last, geez, probably since the late '60s. We've invested money in all the wrong places. Yeah. Right? We got a trillion dollar military. Right? Yeah. I'm gonna give you an example. So I grew up in southern Georgia. And right before I left Georgia in the late eighties, Florida did this big thing where they wanted to start a lottery. Okay. Okay. Well, it passed based on the fact that Florida said proceeds were going to go to education. Okay. So I moved to Virginia. Yeah. Right. Doug Wilder is the governor. Um, it's that big criminal case. Um, anyway, there's a lot of stuff going on. I move here and, and Virginia is, is trying to say, Hey, we want to set up a lottery. And their big thing was all the proceeds of the proceeds from the lottery are going to go into education. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sorry, but every time I go to a convenience store, somebody's buying lottery tickets in front of me. Yeah. And you go home and turn on the news, and they're cutting education. So 
when people bring up things like defunding the police, holy shit, you're going backwards. We need to fund the police. We need to fund education. We need to fund, um, we need to fund a lot of things that aren't getting funded because right now the things that are getting funded Here's the are thing. completely backwards. Hello. Did and I go off the rails? No, Your turn. but I'm going to interrupt here. You know what? If I'm in a brutal car accident, I don't want the cops using a secondhand jaws of life to pull my ass out of a and car. You don't, and you don't want yeah. an EMT, you don't want an EMT showing up that can't pay us rent. Well, not only that, but I don't want somebody who I am entrusting my life in a tragic, tragic situation to have to rely on secondhand used or faulty equipment. I agree. So to go with that, I have a friend who's a school teacher. I have a a fraternity brother who's um, a new principal at a middle school now. Like he just got uh, announced a couple of weeks ago, Um, maybe two weeks ago. But I have a a friend of mine who is a third grade elementary school teacher. And she sent me her list, uh, essentially just saying like, she she had an Amazon shopping list. Right. And she said, um, if you can support. Right. And one one of the things- Completely different from when I was a kid. Exactly. And so one of the things on the list was was ink for the printer. And I was like, the school isn't going to pay yeah. Yeah. for y'all's ink to, to print things? Nope. We need to take a break because we're running out of time on this segment. But when we come back, I want to talk about education funding because you brought it up. I mean, this isn't what the podcast started on, yeah. but it totally yeah. feeds in the subject matter. So we will be back in just a few minutes. All right, so as I understand it, with our public school systems, we all need to take out renter's insurance because the really the only thing the school systems care about anymore is the shell of the building because they want us to bring the toilet paper, the paper towels, the hand sanitizers, the pens, the papers. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. And it's, it's disturbing of the fact that we don't supply our school systems with what we need or what they need. Because right. I mean, obviously I'm not in the school system, but I have friends who are in the school system. I have friends who are in administration, teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've even had friends who were custodians um, in the school system and they're, they're not given the things that they need to succeed. And if we're going to, yeah. but teacher wise, if we're going to teach the next generation, why aren't we preparing them for that? So we live in a society where Kim Kardashian is a billionaire and you have to send your kid to school with toilet paper. Yeah. And I don't think we've mentioned it on here, but my educational background is in teaching. Yeah. I am a single mom. And the list of what I have to send my child with is unbelievable. Now, totally justifiable. I will do whatever I can to send the information or the products with my child to school that's needed. But where I have a hard time with is you want me to supply all these supplies, but then 
you're not able to actually provide the advanced education my individual child needs. So you're going to make me do additional, essentially homeschooling on top of it all. Yes, that is true. And I still think that is wrong. Let's go a little deeper. Let's say that you are a child and you are fourth generation of public assistance. And you're going to a school that is full of other kids that are on public assistance. And you can't go to school with a roll of toilet paper because your family doesn't have a roll of toilet paper. You know, something that happened back in the 60s um, was integration. And integration came about because everybody wanted the same education that everybody else had the option to get. Well, in 2020, if you can't send your kid to school with the same things that the other kids have, we're still right back in the 1950s. Yeah. Well, the crazy part is, and a lot of your listeners may or may not know, depending on if your child goes to a city or a county school, depends on the level of funding that the schools receive, actually depends on the school supply list you are required to send your child with. So city schools actually receive more funding than county schools do. So if you are ever in a Walmart or a Target or whatever your school supply store of choice is at that time of year, it's interesting if you pull those lists that they have listed or in a display at the front of the store for those parents, pull one out. Look at what your county is required to provide versus what your city school is required to provide. Our local city school provides laptops to every student. Now, our county school is only getting laptops to our students because of COVID. Good point. And all you have to do is drive around the city in the areas and who has the best roads, right? That's true. We have streets in our cities that are immaculate. And we have other streets in our cities that you better go get a front end alignment when you drive down them. So I think um, one of the things that has not been discussed, and again, I'm not a politician. I'm not a wizard. I'm probably not smarter than that fish tank that I keep staring at. For people to have an equal opportunity, they have to have an equal starting spot. Like, you can't run a 100-yard dash against somebody who's got a 20-yard head start against you. And I think that comes down, and I bring that up because I think that is imperative to everything. It comes down to law enforcement. It comes down to social environments. It comes down to everything. And the protest, because we talked about protests before, Yep. I don't think the protests are always now about – Hey, this cop beat up this guy or this cop killed this guy. People are fucking tired of not having an equal opportunity. Mm. You know, they're the social unrest that's going on in our country comes from way deeper than just 
what police departments do. Well, and I know this is probably a squirrel tangent, but as a single mom, you know, my kid is in band. If my, if I, if my address was two miles away from where it is currently, and my child went to a city school, I would not have to pay a monthly band rental fee. His instrument would be at no cost because of the school system he is in. Why am I, because I'm two miles outside of that in officially in a County having to pay out of pocket an additional monthly expense compared to his equal students, which the school lunch rate for free lunches is the same. Everything between the two school demographics is the same. It's because you're rich. But I'm not. I just don't live in the city. It, so I, I think it goes, it boils down to that humanitarian aspect that we had talked about earlier mm-hmm. um, today. And it it really, it, it really shows itself. So uh, me and you know that a lot of the things that our officers respond to aren't officer issues. Um, and I'm, I know you understand that too. Like mm-hmm. a lot of things, a lot of these things can be mental health issues that sure. people are dealing with and officers aren't equipped to deal with mental health issues. And like, that, that's another reform issue that needs to be discussed. Yeah. They're not psychiatrists. But so if we, if we go ahead and shift money that way, like again, it is it, really about a balance. Um, and so if we go ahead and shift to help the people who need help, like with the mental health issues and stop calling officers for every fucking time that somebody sure. has a mental health breakdown. Like if somebody's bipolar and we know that they are bipolar, right. help them. Right. Well, and, and again, I'm going to jump in. We had a local mental health institution get shut down by the Department of Justice. They had to evacuate over 300 mental health residents in this mental health institution that were pushed into community housing because of a Department of Justice injunction. They had to close the facility because they didn't feel that the facility should be receiving federal or state funding. So they push those individuals into the community, which in turn increased the mental health crisis for our local hospitals and our local police department, but did not push the funding or the training to either of those entities to handle the influx. That's a, that's a big thing right there because one, so one of the things when we talk about like schools and stuff, I don't believe any kid should have to pay for lunch. I don't care how rich the kid is. I agree 100%. Um, I believe the funding should be there that all lunch is free lunch. And a child should never have to think about meals or education exactly or clothing. Exactly. So or housing. So my dad, my dad is a psychologist by trade. Like he did screen printing early, that was his bachelor's and then when he got into masters, it was mm-hmm. in psychology. Um, and more so focus on development psychology with kids. Uh, there was a, a thing, Maslow's hierarchy of needs 
Food, clothing, and shelter are the basic needs that any individual needs. And how many five-year-old kids go to bed at night worried about where their next meal is coming from? Shelter, clothing. Exactly. Total. We we live in the richest country. Well, I don't know how much money China has, but... I mean, we're indebted to them, so... But but think about it. We live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. We Our do. children should not have to worry about this. At all. Like, at all. You should Ever. be... And, and, and I think it also goes back into that greed culture mm-hmm. um, to where people want, want, want. Because yeah. uh, I know... It's like her. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, I'm welcome, sorry. I just welcome came back, back from welcome cleaning back. up. Welcome back. Want, want, want? Um, we had a dog that just totally destroyed a bathroom so i'm back now it's it's an education issue that yeah. damn dog <laughs> but i think uh even uh me and you zach being um minimalist minimalist by trade essentially Absolutely. uh we, we we understand that we don't we don't buy things in order just because we see them mm-hmm. um and i think that's where a lot of people that's where a lot of people falter is Absolutely. that they they look at things Oh, I need it because this person has it, and then, right? I'm um, and then I buy it, and then I don't have money to put anywhere else. I don't have money. A lot of people focus on themselves, and they say, right. "Oh, my kid isn't gonna have new clothes because I don't bought myself some new shoes." Right. Essentially. Right. And and that's that that's really where I feel like is that we as a people need to do better. But society in general. And I'm going to throw law enforcement back into this. You know, we live in a world that's so much about instant gratification. Yeah. Right. It's like, I'm going to go back to the George Floyd incident Mm -hmm. in in Minneapolis. We watched it on that TV right there. Yeah. Right. Someone can die and Three hours later, I can watch it on TV. Yeah. I mean, that's... Three hours, 20 minutes. 20, oh, absolutely. <laughs> the seven. It was a 17-year-old girl that videotaped that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. 17-year-old girl videotaped that on her phone, right? Wow. In three hours, or however long it took, we could watch it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, as a society, it's like everything's reactionary. Yeah. So, instantly instantly from when she posts that video to well whoever sees it whenever it it goes from okay i'm having a normal day Mm -hmm. to i watched this however long the clip was all police are evil you're right well what's crazy is how demonized that woman or that 17 year old has become has she she was horrifically demonized in the media because she didn't take action other than videotaping. Right. They were, they were like, why didn't you put your phone down and try to help? Well, you're a 17-year-old girl. Yeah. And you obviously have this Nazi killer person in front of you. What are I you mean, going to do? Right? The, the, the thinking of that is just so preposterous that you yeah. would think that, uh, okay, I'm a 17-year-old child. Child. Your and, brain isn't fully formed yet. And I see a grown-ass man right. essentially getting choked out. Well, what's going to happen to How me? How many times has she seen it before? Exactly. So it's, what's going to happen it, to me if I try to stop this? This might not be the first time she's ever seen this. Exactly. You know, I mean, 
that that puts a big light on it because it I, I think I told Jesse this right after it happened. This has been going on for years. Years. This has been going on for decades. It's just right? social media that's it's just now it how people videotape the shit, right? So yeah. it's like so we got 12 megapixel cameras on on the back of our phone so we can put it out there at a moment. But the notice. thing about it, the, the the other side of it, and then I have to think about is okay, that's one cop. There were two or three others that should have done something, right? That's not all of law enforcement. Well, the other thing is they're rookies. So oh, there was one guy, it was his first day on the job. Well, I thought all three of them was there was there. one of them, it was like his third day. Oh, okay. okay. And one of them it was his first day so on the job why would i say something if i feel like i'm gonna lose my job at the end of the day like and, 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 and if it's your first day you're thinking well this is just how shit goes down i gotta make ends meet though yeah and this is how shit goes down yeah. this is my first day i'm watching the guy that i'm riding with kill somebody yeah well, and if you stop and you think about retaliation you've indicated as a black man there's a fear of retaliation yeah so if you're a rookie in a police department, what? why are you not fearful of retaliation from your yeah. supervisors? Well, it goes back to that, to that you you got to pick a side thing. Yeah. And it, it, it's no, you can meet in the middle and justify anybody's actions. It's either they was totally right or they were totally wrong. Right. And okay, cool. He arrested him for, he was putting them under arrest for a specific purpose. Well, we, we, that's we, what we, we were told to begin with. That, yeah, 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 yeah. We were told he passed a phony $20 bill. Exactly. We found out later that they had worked together and that they had issues. Yeah. So, but, so but now but, it's premeditated. But in, in, in the realm of what we knew at first when the incident was happening, right. he was arresting him for a specific purpose. Right. And so I tell my, um, me and my friend, we go back and forth on this all the time. And, um, and we, we both similarly agree to this. Uh, what happened shouldn't have happened. Ultimately, like, if, if you're going to arrest somebody, arrest somebody. Like, get right. them under under control, arrest, handcuffed, right. boom. Get them up. Because, right. again, we, we, we all know that, that being on your stomach or being on your back. Well, having your neck up against the curb. Yeah. That's like Joe Rogan said. That's a death move. Yeah. And there isn't a cop alive that doesn't know. It's a stop, essentially. There isn't a cop alive that doesn't know that that's a death move. Yeah. And so, essentially saying, like, what needs to happen is that, yeah, okay, that that officer tried. Because what you, you, you took it too far. Right. And then when the information started getting out on, um, they knew each other. They had little bad blood, whatever. Right. Uh, it was premeditated. Right. All right, cool. Then, right. then more can come, but that that's right. in court. Right. But right, like in the in the realm of the incident happening, you shouldn't have gone that far. Well, I mean, there there's no there's no excuse for it. No, it's like if you're not a cop, you don't do that to somebody. Exactly. I mean, and if you are a cop, you damn sure know better than to do that to somebody. Yeah, I mean that's the way it should be. Because, because, what if we get to the point where, where people just—I mean, we don't live in a city such as this, but right. people shoot cops. Right. What if there's an incident where a 
cop were to do something in that situation again we don't live in that city right where these things have happened but if we get into the point where people are just so fucking fed up right right and just like i i don't know what else to do i'm just gonna go kill kill somebody well it's like i heard somebody somebody told me this recently very recently he's he's a black belt with three or four different martial arts he said if anybody walks up to me and says i'm gonna whip your ass I instantly know that motherfucker's never been in a fight before at all, ever. At all. It's like you don't you don't say that to somebody because no. you because you obviously you've just told me you don't know how to fight. And it, it that, and, it, that and that's is the same thing with perfectly true. And that's the same thing with police brutality. It's like that guy. I don't I don't know his name. I don't want to know his name. It's like this cat. He doesn't. He's never been in an altercation before mm. where it was equal, because he had to put him in handcuffs first. Yeah, and so that that that's the thing. Like, why isn't yearly defense training given? Like, if you monthly, if gonna, if monthly. let's do monthly training. That's one true. week, one week out of the month. Okay, you work three weeks, and then you go through training for a week. Yeah, you got to go to jujitsu classes, like. Or, or enroll. Like, like, like that's really the biggest thing. Just enroll with somebody. Let's get in your head. Let's do psychological training. I believe I believe in yearly psychological out evaluations. I mean, let's talk about all these things because at the end of the day, you only have to have an eight minute, 46 second meltdown. Yeah. To, to shoot somebody. To, to, to kill somebody. Yeah. Can I throw in some input on this? Let's do it. If you want your officers to have their proper equipment, you want your officers to have their proper psychological evaluations, you want your officers to have the mental, mental, hello, tequila, mental, hello, tequila. Have you seen my menticles? (laughs) Many times. (laughs) But if you want your officers to have the best training, the best, best hiring, the best education, you have to put people in charge at the city council and local government level that agree with your thoughts and will provide the funding so that they can have the material education and preparation they need. Holy shit. She she sobered up quicker than we did. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It won't last long. But so, so this is the thing. If, if we allocate some budget, if we allocate like like I I understand our budget, but like any police department's budget, mm-hmm. if we specify specifically training and that we're gonna train this group, or or because there are some places that once you get good enough that they, they'll allow you to teach yourself. Like there are people that'll come in to teach martial arts to law enforcement for officer survival, essentially. Like that's one of the biggest things. So if we if we allocate those resources, one, our officers do too much already. Well, I think ultimately you have to be able to increase the demographics of people that want to go into police work, yeah. who are able to pass the entry and backgrounds to get to the point where they can go into an academy. But is that set up so that they can't pass? No, and let me say one thing. I know I know several police officers that it was their third or fourth career choice. 
wow. because I worked with them at mm. other jobs. Well, and then the thing you have to realize is there is a difference between, and there, and a lot of people don't understand that there is a difference between being hired on as a sheriff, hired on as a police officer, yep. or hired on as a state trooper. Well, they state, are three different levels. The state troopers are usually what ex-military. Most police are ex-military or have military Mm -hmm. affiliation. Most sheriffs are ex-police. And you have to have different levels of training for all three. So the three are not equal. Yeah. But if you do not have a local government that supports and backs and funds the departments you want funded appropriately... You are setting your own community up for failure. And that is exactly the same as far as education goes. If your local city council doesn't allocate funding to your school system, they are doing the best they can with what they have. Same goes for police, fire departments, all of it. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Okay, I'm off my soapbox. So I think we're going to take a little break. I see... Thai food piling up on the counter. But we're going to come back because we're not done. Tony and I are going to come back and finish this thing up in a few minutes. So hold tight. All right. So now we've eaten our weight in Thai food, or at least I have. And I want to kind of finish up this podcast along the same lines as how I started it. And I want to hear from Tony. What kind of feedback do you get from your family and friends about working at the police department? Uh, so with family, they understand I got to make ends meet. Sure. Um, they're they're never going to tell me to to leave that. They're, okay. they're, they're never going to tell me to go protest or leave your job just to go protest. Right. Uh, I have heard from other people, um, even when I first started working at the police department, is mm-hmm. oh you're working with them and as them being essentially, the man yeah the man the enemy the feds essentially and I, right. I, I joke with one of my friends she works for the federal government but the census uh part of the federal government okay. and we always joke back and forth on you work for the feds or i work for the feds okay. so <laughs> I, I got you so uh i have heard um well since since these protests are are starting what is it exactly that you're doing like mm-hmm. people question like my my motives Right. essentially because i'm not out in the forefront protesting um and so now let me let me ask you there has the fact that you work for a law enforcement agency prevented you from going out and doing being part of the protest because most of the protests in our area have have been you know nonviolent. right they've been peaceful has that kept you from going out and actually doing it uh, the mindset behind it, yes, because okay. I don't want it to turn into uh, a bigger issue. Okay. Uh, but what I will say is um, I have a lot of, um, again, we, we, we talked about the um, the OGs or whatever, uh, the big homies. I have a lot of little homies, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> essentially, who are on the front lines who are doing those things. And I, I give them the guidance that they need in order to, to have a successful protest. So okay. I'll talk, they'll call me and um just say, Hey, we're doing this, 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 and this. And I, I'll let them know, all right, well, this can't happen. This can't happen. This can't happen. Right. Um, and like, if you're going to put your name on anything, 
uh, you want it done right. And I was like, um, absolutely. I've told a lot of them uh, to rein it in. Like, no matter what what it is, if your name is attached to this organization, you need to do it right. And I don't care who is going to be there. You need to make sure that it's done right because it's your name ultimately. And so uh, they received that. Okay. Um, and so we, we, we have frequent talks. We haven't had a couple of talks in a couple of weeks now. Um, not really many protests at this point in our city, right. uh, per se, but, um, what I, what I had been planning was to get them all together anyway and see, well, what's next. Right. Um, then, and that, I think that's another important issue of the peaceful protest have been great. I mean, in our, in our area where we live, we've had one what I think anybody would consider to be a riot yeah. where we, I shouldn't say we, I'm not going to say we out loud, but the community basically took down a restaurant. Yeah. And that restaurant needed to be taken down. Exactly. Because the cat who owns that restaurant, uh, I think he overstepped many boundaries, but overall we've had a pretty peaceful community pretty peaceful protest but i i think in my own beliefs is that it's got to become something more productive in the future i mean all great protests become you know uprisings and yeah. they turn into legislation and they turn into they don't just you don't just have a protest and everybody go home and eat pizza. Right? Exactly. I think you have, it has to move in a forward direction and it has to become something bigger than how it started. Mm -hmm. And you can only really do that in a peaceful manner because once you, once you cross that line where it becomes violent, then nobody well, you takes you seriously. everything that you stand for. Nobody takes you seriously. Yeah, after that. So that, that, that's really why I wanted them to understand is uh, they're young. Um, and they can be led any way, shape, right. or form. And right. you got to understand, well, why aren't we voting? Why aren't we running for city That's council? Right. Why That's aren't right. we even getting involved in the school board? Right. Like those type of things. So, um, yeah. And, and that's why I say I want to get them together and uh, do this kind of what's next type of thing. Like, are we mentoring to the kids that, right. that are the next up-and-coming generation and to mold sure. them into a better path than what we are accustomed to right so um that's really the biggest thing for me is uh just making sure that uh again i'm for protesting not for rioting um i believe you can miss me with that bullshit right <laughs> um, but right. sure but uh ultimately but yeah that, that that's well, what i feel well teach a generation about john lewis yeah john lewis started out marching speaking running for office and once he got in office, he changed things. Yeah. I mean, that's where everybody should go. Yeah. You start out here, you finish up in another place, and that's the only way you can make improvements. I think his story is incredible. I mean, think about think about when he started. He was marching in Alabama with Martin Luther King Jr., mm -hmm. right? Yeah. He ends up the most respected member of Congress. Right. Right. I mean, he didn't do that throwing Molotov cocktails through windows of buildings. Exactly. He did it because he he followed what he believed. He talked and he backed up what he talked about. Yeah. And I think the young people of today and I don't care what side of the tracks you come from. That's going to be the future of our country. 
in the future, man, we just watched a sitcom from the 80s. Yeah. And those kids who grew up watching those sitcoms thought that the old man came out in a sweater at the end of the sitcom and soft music came on and you got your little moral speech to you mm-hmm. and then you went on and life was That's good. It. it doesn't work that way. Nah. And I think there's been a couple of generations have missed out on the, you got to stand up, you got to move forward. Well, it's, it's it's funny that you say the old sitcoms because I've been um so when I'm like trying to brain dump essentially and just relax, mm-hmm. I'll watch uh Pinky in the Brain or Animaniacs. That's right. And and it, it's it's crazy that they have some learning aspect to mm-hmm. a cartoon, True. um or as much learning aspect to the cartoon because Animaniacs had a whole had a whole rhyme about the countries. And Pinky and the Brain, um, the episode that I was watching the other day, we're talking about the the parts of the brain, right? And just making a song about it. And it's mm-hmm. just like the things that I've experienced as a child, um, compared to the things uh, that Marlon experiences uh, being ten years old now. Right. Uh, these are the things that that I'm like he's missing out on because yep. the video games that I had, you have to read all the text. Right, and, and that, that's how you learn some of the words that, right. that were to be used in your conversation. Well, and you didn't have a website you could go to that showed you all the cheats. No, you had to figure that stuff out on your own by happenstance. Yeah, yeah. and so it's, it's it's no longer uh just a bunch of people playing the video games and then you learning from them because based on what they like back in the day you just did it. Right, and like I remember, I had a Sega Genesis. That was my first console. But all the text, like if there was dialogue and anything, you read it. Right. And then in your head, essentially, you're you're reading a book like right. live. And you had to figure it out. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, you you had your voices in your head. No, <laughs> you, you no. made each character different, whatever. I had an Atari. So I didn't have text. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. We're gonna go into the I'm old again. You went there. Yeah, but I, I really believe in part of this conversation, we started out talking about, you know, law enforcement and so on and so forth. I'm really, I'm actually, because of what's happened in the last several weeks and months, the George Floyd issue, um, people talking about police brutality, people talking about even COVID. I think people are talking about stuff now that haven't been discussed in 20 or 30 years. So I'm kind of hoping that the youth of today grab these things and say, you know what? I want to figure out what's going on. I want to figure out what makes things better in the future because my generation, I, I was born in the seventies and raised in the eighties, dude, if it wasn't Atari or, or whatever, I had a, I had a very simple life. I didn't have to face these issues. Right. And I, I got to admit, I came into all this stuff rather unequipped. And hopefully, if we're going to get any positive out of this, we're going to get positives where kids are going to be like, you know what? We've seen this. We know how to fix this shit. We know how to move forward. Well, I love the fact, like, my kid, especially going back to the COVID concept and schools all across the country are trying to determine what they're going to do with going back to school. And my kid is the generation you're talking about that is the next generation that actually is going to be our change makers. Yeah. 
he looks at me one day and he's, we're talking about the concept of him going back to school. Mm-hmm. And he said the scariest part to him was the unknown of what other kids' parents were going to bring to the table. And for a 13-year-old to pause and think, I'm not worried about my friend. My concern is what have their parents been doing or not doing per the society's current guidelines that are going to be a jeopardy to me. He doesn't see color. He doesn't see that. He sees presumed common sense and (laughs) where that needs to be used. Who has that? Or as I like to refer to it as reasonable intelligence because common isn't common. Yeah, and I think the best thing we can hope for out of all this, you mentioned Marlon and you mentioned he's 10, right? Dude, he may grow up in a world where he doesn't have to think about the shit that you and me had to think about. Exactly. It may be those issues that we grew up with he may not even have to think about that. And that could be really good. That could be awesome. It can, but it can also be very scary too. It was scary for me and you. Yeah, but like, so so at the stage that I'm at, and especially with me and his relationship, it's like, am I preparing him for the things that he's going to face or am I giving him information that he's no longer going to need and am I wasting my time? That And, that, and that's a whole other discussion, but at the end of the day, he may already be more equipped to handle the future than we realize. Yeah. And he may never have to deal with the things that we've dealt with. Right. I, you know, the best case scenario, and I think I said it in one of my podcasts, we may look back in 25 years at the differences that people have amongst themselves now. We might not even remember it. Yeah. How incredible would that be? But, yeah, I think – I'm, I'm, I try to be optimistic as much as possible. And with everything that's going on in the world in the last six months, and holy shit, the last six months, what were we doing in January? Living life. We were enjoying <laughs> life. I heard it best the other day. Somebody referred to 2020 as the great dumpster fire. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it is because Absolutely. we started off strong. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We're twenty twenty. But yeah. then by by the beginning of March, we were like, Nope, shut it down. Shut the whole year down. Shut the whole world down. Yeah. Let's just close all the doors. All Let's all it. sit at home. All hope you it. hope your internet doesn't go out. Because you could think about it. I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, the Super Bowl still went on. Yeah. Like we didn't miss that. Oh yeah, we were in <laughs> we were in DC watching that. Like the Super Bowl went on. Yeah. That, that that was probably the biggest thing around that time. Yeah. And then as soon as the Super Bowl finished, it was like, nope, shut it down. We're good. Yeah. Well, MLS, MLB, all of the NBA, everything. NBA everything. shut down. There was no Final Four this year, dude. None. There was no. None. It ended there, right before. There was no NCAA tournament. Holy shit. And we don't even think about it. No. That was only, what, four months ago? And, and now nobody, they're getting ready to go back to school. And nobody, but, nobody's even talking about, oh, we didn't have a NCAA tournament. Like Guess nobody's what? even we thinking about it. survived without it. We did, but but man. was it as fun? No, but we also had the Kobe Bryant. We had yeah, Kobe. Kobe. Kobe died right before all this. Yep. And nobody, I haven't heard Kobe's name since you mentioned it. Now in three months, I just heard it a couple of days ago. Because I mean, well, because of what I look at on YouTube, right? There, there's a lot of 
Mamba mentality videos or anything. So I I, I constantly right. see I constantly right. see Kobe. And my dad's a Lakers fan, so like it, it's not like I, I forgot Kobe or anything. But well, it's funny. We were sitting right here. I was sitting on this couch, and she was sitting on the other. And she pulls up her phone, and she said, "Oh my God, Kobe Bryant died." And I don't think I even believed you. No, you didn't. I picked up my phone and I looked at it, and I'm sitting there going, "Well, fuck, there goes 2020." Yeah, that's it. So I got the news alert, and then I called my dad, and he didn't answer that like, yeah. that whole day because Kobe is not his favorite player, but he's right. one of. Um, but since he's the Lakers, like he definitely is a Kobe fan, right? Uh, but I saw the news article, and I was like, I can't believe this. Like, I, I didn't believe it either. I, had I was to find like, like five other sources just to exactly. just go ahead and say I, it. I couldn't believe it, but it's like that seems like ten years ago. Yeah. It seems like forever ago. Exactly. But I, I just, I'm worried about us because here we are, we're in it, and this yeah. is the world, and this is reality. But I'm thinking that the kids can make it better. The Marlins, you know, Jesse's son, I think we can all turn this into a positive. Yeah. Maybe these kids will grow up in a world where that was – somebody else's issue and we figured it out and we beat it. Mm -hmm. That's what our parents thought about us, right? Yeah. I mean, my grandfather fought in World War II thinking, well, if we can we can take care of this, we don't ever have to fight again. We're done. The kids will be taken care of. So, <clears throat> but yeah, um, the issues of law enforcement, and COVID and all that, I stand on the side. I'm a civilian and I don't have any kind of input or say, but if you're on the front lines, I just think we can make improvements. We can make it better. But at the end of the day, we have to rise up and make things better. I believe it all comes down to communication. Absolutely. And, and, and once we stop being so divisive about everything they were going on with yep. i believe that we can have an honest conversation if people can just sit around the table we're, we're all on the same side yeah we're all humans we're all americans yeah. we're all on the same team and if we can just sit down and talk about the things like sworn officers with civilians mm -hmm. with community leaders with anything anything i believe that if you cannot get offended at the table you you know have somebody speak candidly so it's not right. like anybody's walking on eggshells right have them speak their feelings, but don't get in your feelings over what they say. Right. And then address their concerns. Don't don't just listen in order to rebuttal uh, more so, but listen in order to hear where they're coming from, and then let's develop a plan of action. Don't go into a conversation thinking you can't learn something. Yeah. Because we can all learn something. Exactly. Well, don't you think so much of it, though, would need to be, and especially in our city, getting people at that table who aren't looking to fuel the pre-existing fire to continue their own agenda. That's one of the biggest things, because when you look at everything that's going on, look how many, look how many reform groups have been started just in our city mm -hmm. because I feel everybody wants to be the leader and they they have this following so they want to be the leader they don't want to combine with anybody else and make a joint effort at this thing well it comes a, down to people don't listen to each other yeah, it's an ego thing too well it's, and is. i think in our city at least we have 
I, and I'm not going to name them, but we have at least four religious leaders that I can think of that if those four were to genuinely want to tie this city closer together and they were genuine about sitting down and working with law enforcement and other entities, they could make a significant change in this community. They could. But you have four leaders with four massive egos. And probably four different agendas. And four different agendas. And at least two of these, it would not financially benefit them to do away with these issues. Exactly. And so it's, it's again, going back to our earlier conversations, even before we, uh, even before we started recording where do we burn the whole system down and rebuild like that? that that's essentially like not, not even re- burn the whole system part, the parts that suck. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I can sit here and tell you the parts that suck. If we, you, we you want my put, opinion on it. Well, we need to put the people in the position that are going to make these changes and every change isn't going to happen. We understand that. Um, but we need to pick, we need to put people in positions that aren't looking at their bottom dollar. They're looking at people and the ones that care about people genuinely and want to see them succeed, whether they be at the lower end of the income bracket or the higher end of the income bracket. They're looking at everybody as a whole. I think honestly to fix this problem or any other problem that exists, you have to eliminate some things. You have to eliminate politics. You have to eliminate finances. And what I mean by that is you have to eliminate someone profiting off of not fixing a problem. Mm -hmm. You have to take religion out of the conversation because this is not a religious issue. This is not a political issue. This is a fundamental human rights issue. And we all have those human rights. So my perspective is, and again, I'm I'm not in the middle of all this, but I, I thoroughly believe that politicians should not be in control of law enforcement. I think law enforcement should be handled at a local level. It should be handled by local. We should police ourselves. In other words, we sh- we should have say in how our police department is run, how our law enforcement is run. And until we can do that, until we can take the grandstanding of politicians out of it, and until we can take the people who are just in it to make a profit out of it, we're going to have these problems. because, And that goes not only with law enforcement, this goes up all the way up to the president of the United States and COVID and all the other issues we have in the country, you, you got to take the politics out of it. Right. Like COVID-19 is not a political issue. No. It's a health issue. You know, police brutality is not a political issue. Mm-hmm. It's a local law enforcement issue and it's in every individual locality. What happened in Minneapolis as horrible as it was, is not an issue in small town wherever you live. Right. 
So you can't lump it all together, Mm -mm. but you can't politicize it. It can't be that way. You have to, every community has to take a look at it and has to set it up and make it what it is for their community. I mean, Minneapolis didn't happen because there were bad cops in New York City. Well, and I tried to explain to my kid that one bad cop in one city, thousands of miles away, does not mean every cop you see is that cop. There are bad dentists out there. That doesn't mean you don't go to a dentist ever. There are bad lawyers. There are going to be shady as hell judges. There are... In every profession, you're going to have bad people. But that's the thing. They're bad people. They're individuals that are bad. It's not the profession they chose as the way they were going to fund their life that is bad. And there's a hard distinguishing factor when you're trying to explain it to a kid. Or explain it to someone who is 10 years old and they see somebody that looks like them get murdered on television. Yeah. It's, I mean, to explain right now to a black child, anything about police brutality or law enforcement, when they have access to YouTube, like everybody else does, it's got to be extremely hard to explain that because a 10-year-old can see exactly what I saw. Yeah. I can't imagine having to explain it to a 10-year-old black child. But what I will say that is incredibly difficult is to explain it to a 13-year-old white child whose best friend is black. Yeah. Who that white child knows a lot of cops and cares about <coughs> a lot of cops. I that was a hard conversation. So I can't imagine having to have the other side of it. But like I said in a previous podcast, and I would say this to anybody who's trying to explain it to their kid, that wasn't a cop. That was somebody wearing a costume. Yeah. You know, and there are good cops, there are bad cops, there's good clergy, there's bad clergy, there's good and bad on all sides. And that's where you have to teach your kids where – you judge someone by the content of their character yep. rather than by the group that they happen to be in. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the sixties. Yeah. We were taught that, right? Yeah. And you know, law enforcement isn't any different than any other facet of society. There's good and there's bad, but as a whole, I still believe in my heart because I'm an optimist. I think, I think there's way more good cops than there are bad cops. So, but it's hard to explain that to a kid who sees what has gone on. Yeah. So, wow. We've been here for like two days <laughs> by comparison. Tony, thank you for hanging out with us. This has been fun. It has. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of tequila too. So, hopefully you'll come back and do this again. Yeah, Did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, no. Okay. I'm thankful to be here, and I, awesome. will, I will be back. Awesome. Awesome. And 
my girlfriend, the one who uh, is way better to me than I deserve, Jesse. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yay. So thank you for all that listened. If this is your first time, I hope you liked it. If you've been back, thank you for coming back. And I would love some input, especially on this episode, because we put the most time and energy into this one. So uh, if you could drop me a line, the email address is that's what I'm screaming podcast at gmail.com. No capital letters. No punctuation, just that's what I'm screaming podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. We will talk to you again soon. And thanks for joining us because that's what I'm screaming.